You need to grab your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Uh, we're going to, just from Scripture, take a minute and look at the gift of God's salvation through Jesus Christ. Uh, I thank God for it. I thank God that at 12 years of age I recognized that I was a sinner in need of the grace of God. And as best I knew how, as a young child, I, I confessed my sin and I called on Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior, changed my life. Uh, nothing's been the same. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name, and Lord, I thank you for the praise, the worship, and all the honor and glory that has come to you, all in the name of Jesus. God, help us right now to just take a few moments and to consider the great gift of your salvation for all of, for all of mankind. Help us to understand the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, be glorified. If there's any here today that do not know Christ as Lord and Savior, God, we're praying according to your word that today would be the day of salvation. God, you are and you alone are God. Have your way with each of us and we'll give you glory in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Romans chapter five, I want you to, we'll pick it up here in verse 12. Uh, we're talking about the, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what, the word good, that's what the word gospel means. It means good news. But if you're gonna understand something as good news, well then you first must understand the magnitude of bad news. Uh, everything needs something to compare it to and, and the bad news is really bad. This is critical. If we're gonna understand the value of God's gift of salvation, we must first see the desperate need of humanity. Here's the problem, here's the, here's, the, here's the intro to the bad news. You're a sinner, I'm a sinner. The person sitting next to you, no matter what you think about them, they're a sinner. Here's the worst part of the bad news. Our sin, biblically, requires our death. Now you, this morning, I just wanna make this statement very quickly. Uh, you know, we, um, we wrestle with this a lot, I think. Um, uh, I think humanity from the beginning has doubted the word of God. You see that in Genesis chapter three. And so I'm under no illusions that today many of you are doubting that the word of God is authoritative for your life, that it's accurate. You have to decide whether or not you're, you're actually going to be a Bible believer uh, the, I believe with all my heart that the words of this book are the very words of God himself. Um, again, you have to do the math on this. I, 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 I thumbnail this all the time. The reality is, is we're here, right? You're not a figment of your imagination. You're here and you exist in an incredible, it's a very massive creation. Something does not come out of nothing and you can't throw enough time at nothing to make it into something. Is everybody with me? We're part of a great something. There is a creator, there is no doubt. Only the fool can say in his heart there is no God. Okay, well, okay, we, it's, it's, it's an easy step to say I, I recognize all of this came from somewhere, from someone, uh, but how can I know who he is? How can I know what he expects of me? Okay, you, you need to do the work if you need to do the work. You need to look at the claims for creation. Of all, of all sacred literature, this book stands alone. 
that the only way you could have a book like this is if somebody from the future wrote it down in the past. Somebody had to cheat to give us a book like this. This thing is full of prophecy that is fulfilled in minutest detail. It, God authenticates the Bible as his word through prophecy. Uh, we're living in a day and age where we're seeing reams of prophecy being fulfilled before our very eyes. The Bible, with all my heart, I believe it's the very word of God himself. Now the world, in contrast, the world only offers uncertainty. Can't give you answers. There's no way of knowing how or why we're here. There's no answers for how you can have peace with your creator. Uh, so we have to come to the word of God. I believe every word of the Bible is true. It says what it says, it means what it says, and I believe that everything happened exactly as the Bible said it happened. And so this morning you will decide whether or not you believe the good news of the word of God. As we said, the problem is that every person that has ever lived on this planet is a sinner, and as such, every person who has ever lived has a sentence of death hanging over their head except one person, we'll see him in a minute. Why is every person ever born, ever living on this planet, why are we all condemned to death? Well, because of our greatest grandfather. And this is what the Apostle Paul's talking about here in Romans chapter five and verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man, that man that we're discussing is the man, Adam. Adam is our greatest grandfather. Uh, you know, there's a, I mean, the reality is, is we're all cousins, just very distant cousins, but we're all in the same family. We're in Adam's family. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon who? All men, for that all have sinned. Okay, this is the worst possible outcome, and you may be saying, you may be saying right now, I didn't sign up for that. I didn't have a, I didn't have a choice in that. I mean, if Adam committed sin and now I'm reckoned in Adam's sin, I didn't get to choose that. No, you didn't, but your daddy did. As by one man, sin entered into the world. In Genesis chapter two and verse 17, God gave his word to man. The whole Bible you could memorize in a minute. Genesis 2:16, God commands the man, he commands Adam saying, everything in the garden is on the menu. Why, because our God is a generous God, he is a giving God. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. Why does God warn him away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Well, he's not willing that Adam would perish. So he gives him his word. The one command, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So there's the whole Bible to man at that time. Satan comes and tempts Eve. Can you really trust that God said what he said, that he meant what he said. Oh, no, 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 God was lying. You shall, you shall not surely die. God knows that in the day you eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, your eyes will be open and you'll be like him. You'll be as God's. And she saw that it was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes and she wanted the wisdom that came from this act of rebellion. She took, she ate, she gave to her husband. He ate also. See, Satan, he's hated man from the beginning. So he sets a trap to provoke Adam to rebel against God. To place Adam in this position that Romans 5.12 describes in death. Death by sin. And as a result, to place man now at enmity. All of Adam's race now is at enmity with God. So death passed upon all men. 
So it was by Adam that sin enters into the world, but also notice, just check your own life. In your own life, in your own heart, you know that you're a sinner. You know that you were born with a sin nature. I mean, think about it. Nobody has to teach a child to lie. They figure that one out all on their own, don't they? Every child becomes, a, at some point, they, they, they gain mastery in the art of lying. Well, it's sin nature. They discover, every, every one of us has discovered sin for ourselves. You were born a sinner, but more than that, you're a sinner because you've sinned. You've perpetrated yourself, and that's how verse 12 ends, for all, right? For that all have sinned. Romans 3.23 says the exact same thing. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That word sin literally means just missing the mark. It's an archer's term. So if you had a bullseye and you're shooting arrows and uh, you're you know, 20 yards down range and, and you've got a spotter down there looking at it, maybe, actually 20, most people can see where they hit in 20 yards. Let's say you're 50 yards down range. Okay, so you let the arrow fly and, and then you ask the spotter, what's the sin? How, in other words, you're asking how far off am I from the bullseye? All have sinned, here it is, and missed the mark, come short of the glory of God. Man does not have the capacity, the ability, the strength, the integrity, the holiness, the righteousness, right? He he cannot meet God's holy and righteous standard. And so our sin, the wrong that we do, causes us to miss God, to miss heaven, to miss a right relationship with him. Now some of you, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, I haven't been actually that bad. I mean, I've had a little boo-boo here and there, but, but overall, I've not been that bad. You know, the things that I've done, I mean, sin's a really strong word. We don't like calling sin, sin. We like calling it, a, well, I made a mistake. You know, I, I just made a mistake. Or I just failed forward. That's a, that's a really clean, clever way of describing. I just failed forward. We try to explain away our sin, or we'll blame other people, right? It's other people's fault that I had to, do the wrong that I did. So we blame others, we blame our circumstances. We don't like to think about ourselves as being sinners or being sinful in need of help from Almighty God. And so we call adultery an affair. We call users and abusers of all kinds. We call them victims. They can't help themselves. Social scientists, they like to put the blame on the externals. Well, they're, they're, they're like they are because of a lack of privilege or poor parenting perpetrators are actually victims of their circumstances and upbringing. We just don't like to think about ourselves as being sinful in need of help from God Almighty. The other thing that we do when we think about our own sin is we like to compare ourselves with others. (laughs) Well, I'm not as bad as the, I mean, some of you right now you're thinking, well, maybe you're sitting next to your spouse. Well, I'm not as bad as she is, or I'm not as bad as he is. We like to compare ourselves to other people. 2 Corinthians 10, 12 says that that's not wise because anytime a sinner compares himself with another sinner, that's just a faulty measurement. Oh, I'm better than that person. No, that's, you're measuring against a faulty standard. Mark it down. You may be thinking you're better than someone else, but somebody else absolutely is thinking they're better than you. You know the story about the two brothers. They were thieves. They were liars, they were adulterers, they were perverts. I mean, if they could get away with it, they did it. I mean, they were reckless, they were drunkards, whatever it was, they were, they were up to wickedness any way they could get into it. And one of the brothers dies, and so he goes to the pastor and he says, I'll give you $1,000 if you'll preach a sermon at the funeral 
and call my brother a saint. And the preacher says, you're on, give me that $1,000. So then comes time for the funeral, he stands up in the pulpit and he looks down in the casket and he says, that man in this casket right here, he's a liar, he's a thief, an adulterer, a drunkard, a pervert, but compared to his brother, he's a saint. <laughs> I mean, there it is. I mean, you, 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 we like to compare ourselves, with, but there's always somebody that's better than you. The lies, the hate, the rebellion, the lust that's in our heart, the pride, the evil speaking, the discord that we sow. Man, being better than another sinful, uh, another, another sinner is still nothing because our sin, right, it condemns us to death before a righteous and holy God. Even our goodness, the good things that we do miss the mark. They fall short of the holy, righteous standard of God. Proverbs 21.4 says that the plowing of the wicked is sin. Just, just, make it, just trying to make a living, we fall short. The entirety of Adam's race was lost in sin and darkness, and you may say that's not fair. No, it is fair. It's fair when the judgment, the penalty for sin, is pronounced beforehand. It was for Adam, and it has been for you. God has pronounced it. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, and so every sinner will be judged. Look at Revelation chapter 20. It's called the great white throne judgment. Jesus sits on this throne. There is no place to hide from it. Heaven and earth are fled away from before it. Revelation 20 verse 12 says, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened and another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. What you do in this life, you give an account for before God Almighty. They were judged according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into, a lake, into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Is your name written in the book of life? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 22, in Adam, in Adam's race, in Adam, all die. All, there's no exceptions to this. All die, eternally, separate from God, in hell, catastrophic terror. Can I just tell you, that's bad news. All we've heard this morning is bad news, amen? It's all bad news, eternally separate from God. Some of you are saying, well, man, it's too, I mean, I've lived most of my life. It's too late, I'm finding out about this now. Yeah, you've lived all your life. Well, I've already sinned, what now? Well, okay, let's talk about the good news. God himself gave the greatest gift, I mean, the absolute greatest gift in the person of Jesus Christ. And we gotta see this this morning. This is why, here's why Jesus Christ came. Go back up to verse six, Romans five, verse six. For when we were yet without strength, we're the, all we're doing is just stumbling through life, missing the mark, coming short of God's righteousness, his holy, righteous standard. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Man, Jesus died for me. I mean, that's, that's me. I, I'm the ungodly one that he died for. 
When we were yet without strength, there's no physical ability here. It's talking about our inability to please God. We are the ungodly, we are those who Christ died for, why? Well, 2 Peter 3, 9 tells you, God's not willing that any should perish, but that who? All. God wants everyone to come to repentance. Look at 1 Timothy 2, verse three. Look at God in verse three. What's his will? Verse four, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So God gave us the gift of his son that we might have life through, through Jesus, through him. This is why Romans 3.23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Look at verse 14. You wanna see the proof that the wages of sin is death? Look at this, nevertheless death reigned from Adam to Moses, verse 14, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Okay, now watch this, here's the good news. Adam, because he sins against God and separates humanity from God, it makes him a negative image, right? Adam is an anti-type of Christ in this moment. He's a negative picture of Christ. What he did, the reason why, is what he did affected the whole of humanity. See, you were there 6,000 years ago in the Garden of Eden. You were there in Adam, and you were in him when he took the fruit rebelling against God. The Bible says here in Romans chapter five, he is the figure, he's the picture, he's the type. He's the illustration of Jesus, of him that was to come. And so just like Jesus, what Adam did What Adam did, it affects all of humanity, just as Jesus, what he did on the cross of Calvary, affects all of humanity, the whole of humanity. Jesus came, born of a virgin, sinless. Here it is, here's the story in Matthew chapter one, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, She was found with child. So before the marriage is consummated, before they're actually pronounced man and wife and and, and he finds out she's pregnant, freaks him out. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in heaven or appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And then the text defines the name Jesus for you there, for he shall save his people from their sins. The name Jesus means Jehovah. God saves. Jehovah saves. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And then it defines the name for you there which being interpreted is God with us. What a gift. Our sin separates us from God and so God gives humanity, he gives Adam's race the gift of himself. 
We were separated from him by our sin and so he crossed the chasm. So how was God able to give us the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ? Okay, look at verse 15. But not as the offense, that's Adam's part, so also is the free gift, that's Jesus' part. For if through the offense of one, Adam, many be dead, much more of the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ hath abounded unto many. Why, because Jesus is Jehovah saves. Romans 6, 23, again, the wages of sin is death. That's what we have in Adam. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, how do we appropriate the eternal life that is through Jesus Christ our Lord? Ephesians 2 tells you how to be saved. For by grace, God's grace, are you saved through faith, through faith in the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You can't earn it, it's not of works. You can't be good enough, you can't do enough good works in order to outweigh your bad works. You can't do enough good things in order to get God to force him in, you know, to letting you into his heaven. It doesn't work that way. It's only by the grace of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Nobody's gonna be in heaven crowing like a rooster, a banny rooster saying, check me out, I was so awesome, God had to let me in here. No, heaven will be full of people, sinners, who are saved by the grace of God. So how was he able to give us the gift of salvation? God was able to do it, right? Our sin separates us from God, and so God gives us the gift of himself, and then through his shed blood, he paid for the way of salvation. Look at Romans 5 again, verse nine. Much more than being now justified by his blood. It's through the shed blood of Jesus Christ applied to the life of a sinner that the sinner is made just as if he had never sinned. You may have done, I mean, you may have been like those two brothers that we described in the joke, you know? I mean, uh, everything wrong all the time. And once you're under the blood of Jesus Christ shed for you at Calvary, it's just as if you had never sinned. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath, God's judgment over our sin through Jesus. God's wrath must be poured out over sin. And so Jesus took all of God's wrath, all of our sin, the sin that separates us from God, he took it upon himself on the cross of Calvary. That's why in Mark 15, 34, he cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Well, here's the answer, you know it. Our sin separates us from God. And when Jesus was reckoned, your sin and mine at the cross of Calvary, it ruptures the relationship that the son has with the father. He, is, he commits no sin, he is sinless, he's perfect, but he has reckoned your sin and mine. So of course he cries, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's the price of sin. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says that God made Jesus to be sin for us. He knew no sin. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And here's the proof. Look at Romans 5, verse 16. What happened to us in Adam is countered. Right, it's corrected in the person of Christ. Look at verse 16. Here's what we got in Adam. Not as it was by one that sinned. Here's what we have in Jesus. So is the gift. 
For if the judgment came by one to condemnation, that's what we got in Adam, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. That's what we get in Jesus. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace of the gift of righteousness shall reign, by, reign in the life by one, Jesus Christ. In verse 18, we have offense and judgment and condemnation. But in, that's what we have in Adam. But in Christ, we have the free gift. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of Jesus, of one shall many be made righteous. So here's how you can receive the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Until you receive Jesus Christ, you are stuck in Adam. I tell this to our church all the time. There are really only two people that have ever mattered on the planet, Adam and Jesus. Jesus is literally called in the Bible the last Adam. He's the second Adam. And you're in one of those two Adams. You're either in your father, Adam of the flesh, right, Adam, and if so, you're reckoned in his death, or you're in, right, you believe on, you are now reckoned in the last Adam, the the Lord Jesus Christ, and then you are reckoned in his life. So how can you get out of the first Adam and into the second? Here's how you receive Christ. You have to recognize the reality of your sin and turn from it, so in repentance of sin, Acts 17.30 says that now God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. You can't excuse your sin, you can't coddle it, you can't make a, a way for it. You have to turn from it to Jesus. You have to turn away from the sin that separates you from God and then turn to Christ. That's what the word repent means. It means turn around. So you repent of your sin, you believe in your heart the gospel of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15 declares it plainly. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, which also, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how, here it is, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. So in repentance of sin, you have to believe in your heart and then confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. Here it is, Romans, 8, or Romans 10, verse eight. The word is nigh thee even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. If you think that Jesus died on that cross, was buried, and did not rise again, it does you no good to pray to a corpse. But if you know in your heart, if you believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sin, when Jesus, I mean Jesus had to die for your sin because your sin is separating you from God and he's not willing that you perish. He wants you to come to repentance and come to saving faith. And so what he did is he came to take the sin of Adam, the whole of Adam's race, and to deposit it in his death. That's the genius of Jesus. He takes the sins of humanity and reckons it in his death. Death can't hold him because he's the living God, so he is born again, he's resurrected to eternal life. So you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, why? Because you're gonna call on Christ as your Lord and Savior. 
If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You can know it, you can know that you've been delivered from your sin. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. And that's the invitation this Christmas is to receive the gift of God, to receive the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, to receive the gift of salvation. First you have to know that you're a sinner in need of a savior. You have to recognize that that sin separates you from Almighty God. And in repentance of sin, you call on the risen Savior, Lord Jesus, I know you died for me. I know you bore my sin on the cross of Calvary. I know you suffered God's wrath in my place. You died for me, for my sin. You were buried and you rose again on the third day to eternal life and I'm coming to you this morning, Jesus saying, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Forgive my sin, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and life and save me. I wanna be born again. And if you do that, if you confess the Lord Jesus in faith, you will receive the gift of salvation. The next thing then, once you've received the gift of salvation, is to go tell everybody. You go tell everybody the good news. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Tonight we'll do the exact same thing that we did this morning. We're gonna have the exact same service, uh, except we're gonna finish it up with a candle lighting. And tonight that will picture just the spreading of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you know the good news, you wanna invite somebody, bring them back tonight. I think the cookies start at 4.30, and then we'll start the service at five. We'll get you home nice and early in time for eggnog and stockings, whatever your family does on Christmas Eve. But you wanna tell people the good news, amen? I'd like you to bow your head and close your eyes. Like, take a posture of humility before the Lord. If you'll, if you'll bow yourself, right? If you will humble yourself before God, uh, you can examine your heart. You know, whether, you know whether or not that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. You know whether or not you're saved. You know whether or not you're on your way to heaven. How many this morning would say, Pastor, please pray for me. I know I'm a sinner and I need Christ as my Lord and Savior. Would you pray for me? I need to be born again. Please pray for me. Is there anybody like that this morning? Pray for me. I need Jesus in my life. Let me see your hand. I wanna pray for you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, I see you in the back. Okay. Anybody else? Yeah, yeah. I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that God's my father and, and, and that, I, that needs to get corrected. I need Christ in my life. Pastor, please, would you pray for me? Several have raised their hand. Anybody else? I just wanna get, see you, maybe keep you in mind. Yeah, okay, I see you guys. Please pray for me. Okay, yes sir, yeah. So Father, Lord, there are many of us here this morning that need Christ as Lord and Savior and are asking for prayer. And so Lord, I'm doing that right now. I'm just calling on you in your mercy and in your grace. Lord, would you bind the lies and the excuses that the world tell us, that we tell ourselves. 
or that so many times insidiously the enemy, uh, some devil is whispering in our ears reasons for why we can't just surrender our lives to Christ. Lord, would you strip that away and then God at the same time, would you pour out your spirit in love, in understanding? Would you reveal to each our need for a right relationship with you that can only come through Christ as our Lord and Savior? Lord, your word today says that today is the day of salvation. It literally says that. It says that there's no name, no other name given under heaven whereby men must be saved. We've got 20 some people that have raised their hand this morning. Lord, they must be saved, they must be born again. Jesus was the greatest gift that you've ever given to man. Lord, I pray that this Christmas that, that each, each of these would just surrender their lives, give their lives back to you. Lord, take them for your own. Have your way in their heart and life. Help them to believe on Jesus and then follow him according to his word. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.